All right, and we are back for another episode of the Midwatch, episode 1-8. Um, as usual, best way to support the podcast is by vi- uh, visiting bzgear.net. It's Bravo Zulu Co. Uh, that is the uh, apparel company that powers this podcast. Um, if clothing is not your thing and you just want to drop us a donation, uh, you can visit our d- uh, PayPal donation page at uh, paypal.me forward slash the midwatch. Um, you can donate as little as one penny or a million dollars, whatever you want. Um, we are back with our co-host, Brandon, and uh, one of our special guests this evening, um, one of the chiefs on the ships uh, on the ship that we currently serve on. We have uh, QMC Scott. Hey, what's going on? Um, so as usual, uh, Chief, as you know, before you take watch in the Navy, you have to know your mm-hmm. 11 general orders. So before we allow you... Any further on the midwatch? Yeah, I'm not about to recite my general. <laughs> we have to, uh, we have to ask you the eleven general questions. All right, just kind of get the brain going before we get into the, into the interview. Let's do it. Um, just kind of say the fir- first thing that comes to your mind. Um, just kind of a, uh, kind of like a uh, mad minute round kind of thing. All right, Brandon, you want to start them off? Absolutely. All right, Chief. So right off the top, we got, what's your favorite superhero? Favorite superhero would have to be, ooh, I say Batman. Batman. Somebody already say that. They did. Yeah. I feel like somebody already. Yeah. Said that. <laughs> Who so said that? Listen. Who said that? Uh, that GMC. Reagan. I think GMC said it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my boy. I'm. Mean, yeah, this is Batman. That makes though. sense. That makes sense. So I, I I agree with that because he's like the only one. He's like the only. Real possible superhero because he doesn't have any superpowers. He's just a rich dude with yeah, a bunch of cool legit. toys. Yeah. He's yeah. Legit. <laughs> All right, next up, Chief. Who would win in a cage fight, Chuck Norris or Bruce Lee, and why? Mm. I'd say Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris will win because, I mean, he's Chuck Norris, man. I don't really have an explanation. <laughs> All right. Just, He's Chuck Norris. All right. Brandon, up next. All right. So this one's a little tougher. Uh, so if you could raise any person from the dead and walk with them in the modern world today, who would it be? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that's tough. <laughs> Chief Reagan was picky. He wanted us to give him a time frame, like a like an era. Yeah, it's like like <laughs> is that like forever, forever or like in the last twenty years? Let's say, well, you you, you pick what? Man, well, let's go with forever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, great! Does that make that easier? <laughs> Made it a little bit easier. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody that's dead. That's dead. That you can raise from the dead. To have them walk in the modern world to see like what it is. Um, I would say Martin Luther King. All right, respectable. Absolutely, that's awesome. Uh, I'm next, right? Yeah, it's. All right, what did what was your first car ever? Ooh, first car, 1989 Ford Escort GT stick shift, black <laughs> on black. I paid 500 bucks for it. That's <laughs> up. I say, what's with all the ch- uh, Chief Reagan said he paid like three hundred bucks for his first car. Yeah, I paid mm-hmm. five hundred bucks for it in two thousand two. Damn. Yep. All right, Brandon. Next. Is that the one with the 
Did you have the seatbelt that came up? Yep, definitely had the seatbelt <laughs> that came up. You had to pull it up. Yeah, across your body. Yep. Mm-hmm. My buddy, I think, had the same exact car. My buddy Morgan in high school. Yep. What year did you graduate high school? Two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so I got it. The year, I got it the year after I graduated. I saved up five hundred bucks. <laughs> this old guy that I worked with me at Walmart was selling it. I was like, yeah, I'll buy it. <clears throat> Bought it. Got it registered. I was I was money after on that. the road after that. Yep, that's what's up. All right, let's see here. So, uh, if you could be in, if you could be any movie character, uh, who would it be? So any movie character in real life, pull them out of the movie, blam, that's you. Denzel Washington. Well, like, oh character, like movie like, character, yeah. Oh shit, not actor. Um. Frank Lucas in uh <laughs> Nah American Nah Lucas. he sold drugs. He went to jail. I don't wanna go to jail. Um oh man. Um Tyrese and Baby Boy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> All right. Uh if you could have dinner with one person. Who would it be? Anyone? Jay Z. That was quick. All right. So yeah, I think you skipped that one, Brian. Oh, I did. I? Yep. I'm bouncing around over <laughs> here. Jay Z. All right. So, what's your favorite chick flick <laughs> that you got caught watching? <laughs> Definitely Sex in the City. The movie. The movie. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> that's a show too, right? Or and the show. The show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watch both. Don't right. tell anybody. <clears throat> if you could only, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's live> <laughs> if you could only have one, which one would it be? Honor, courage, or commitment? Ooh. Um. Honor. All right. So if all jobs paid the same, um, paid the same as that you're getting paid now, what would you do? Make music. Full time. All right. If you went to the airport and the airliner gave you one free ticket to go anywhere you wanted, where would you go? Mm. Man, that's tough. Um, Like today? Like right now? Yeah, right now. Here's a free ticket. You can go anywhere you want. Where you want to go? So where am I sitting? Am I sitting in coach? Am I sitting in first class? (laughs) Am I sitting in economy comfort? Uh, First class, anywhere you want to go. First class, I'm definitely going to Tokyo. All-inclusive. Tokyo. All right. Delta One. All right, and then last one we got here. So what's one item on your bucket list right now? Um, Bucket list to sit courtside at either Madison Square Garden, Staples Center, or um, Boston Garden. I think that's the name of the arena. I think so. One of those three arenas, sit courtside. That's my bucket list. And well, I only get game. one. I only get one. You can put two out there. <laughs> um, another one is to fly private. That is my retirement plan. When I retire from the Navy, I'm gonna fly private somewhere with my family. Like like on like a private jet. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Yep. Bucket list. That's That'll dope. That's dope. Yep. How big of a jet? Um, I would say enough to seat. Just like a. Yeah, I don't know. Jet. I don't know like the. The sizes are like a G3, G5, but like. I'd say a G6 because there's a song named after it. 
Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know how big they are, but I mean, I guess enough to seat at least 15 people. Mm. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yep. Flight to Tokyo? That would be crazy. <laughs> Private to Tokyo with my family? That would be amazing. All right, Chief. Well, you've made it through the 11 general orders. Or, I'm sorry, 11 general yeah, questions. Uh, right? <laughs> um, you made it through faster than uh, Chief Reagan, Reagan did. Chief Reagan, yeah. Yeah, he probably thought too long. <laughs> he, that he means, he, that off, means so. he wasn't genuine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm sure you've listened to the past podcasts. The, the whole point of this podcast is, is really uh, to focus on the guest, you and, and your story and, and, your, and your time in the service. Okay. Um, I always like to start with a spiel. I'm sure, you know, Everyone's heard me say it a hundred times, but I think it's really important and, and it's really uh, something that's special to me. It's back in the day, you know, in order for someone service member's story to get out there, History mm-hmm. Channel had to come and do a big, you know, production and put it on TV. But but yeah. now with the the way that we have technology, you know, I can buy a two hundred dollar mixer on Amazon and a, and a free program, and and I can get everyone's story that I come in contact with um, yeah. out there. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, so that's the whole premise of this podcast, um, is really just to focus on you and your story. Okay. So I like to kind of start, uh, in the beginning, right? What kind of made you join? Um, so I'm, uh, I'm sitting in your math class, senior year mm-hmm. next to you. Who are you and, and, and what kind of guided you, um, to join the, the Navy? So <clears throat> high school, I was, um, into sports. So I played basketball. I played varsity basketball. I played baseball varsity. Um, I played basketball longer, but I was better in baseball. So that was my thing in high school. I wasn't really into anything but that. I was pretty decent in school, um, B student, average. Um, <clears throat> and my plan was to go to leave high school. Well, let me back up. So first and foremost, I'm from Detroit. So I grew up in the Detroit public school system, which wasn't that great. Um, but they had a program in my high school that was kind of, quote, unquote, accelerated, if that's what you want to call it. So okay. I had the uh, privilege to be a part of that program because I took a test and they were like, oh, yeah, you're smarter than the average kid here. Um, what grade was that? That was ninth grade. I started off ninth grade and, okay. um, you know, the accelerated program. Actually, I went. So I went to three high schools, and not because Dang. I got not because I got kicked <laughs> out for being bad, but I started off at a Catholic school, um, St. Martin de Porres. I went there from ninth, uh, my ninth and tenth grade year, also playing base, baseball and basketball. But parents had to pay for me to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of expensive, so obviously um, it came a time where they couldn't afford to send me and my brother at the time to the Catholic school. So we're like, oh, you can go to a public school that's free with a great academic curriculum. So I went to another school, Renaissance High School, and their curriculum was like crazy intense. Like I thought I was smart, but I really wasn't smart. (laughs) Um, So I did one year there and I got kicked out for academics, not being bad, I just wasn't that smart. And then I went to my local um, public school in the area Ref for high school is where I graduated for my senior year. Um, <clears throat> and so my plan all along was to go to college after I got out of high school. So I did that. 
I went from Detroit to Louisiana, Baton Rouge. Um, I got accepted to Southern University, which is a historically black college and university. Um, I went there to study architecture because I like to draw. And uh, I went there. It was like a different environment, a different world because I'm a city guy from Detroit. I went to country-ass Louisiana, <laughs> and it was like flying roaches. The music they played was slow as hell, and I didn't know what it was. I thought the music, something was wrong with their tape, and their CD was skipping or something, but come to find out it was DJ Screw. And I was like, oh, that's a thing. Um, so it was a different environment, but it was a good experience for me because I got to see something outside of the city in Detroit. I went there for two years um, and realized that college really really wasn't for me. So I went back home to Detroit. Um, I got a job at UPS as a UPS loader for the trucks that deliver the packages. So you know, they pull the trucks in, they got all the packages coming down the belt, you load them up, you're done. So I worked five hours a day for five days a week, didn't get paid nothing. Then I got another job at Walmart as a uh, as a photo lab technician. So I developed photos all day. Um, so was that back in the day when we had the crank cameras? Yeah. You, know, like you drop them the, off? Yep. They dropped <laughs> off the little reel, yeah. put them in a the package, tell me what they want. <laughs> if they want matte, they want glossy, and I process them, and they come back in an hour and pick them up. So, yeah, that's what I did. I did that for about a year and a half. And one day... I never, ever thought about the military, never. I woke up one day, <clears throat> and I was living with my uncle at the time once I got back home from college. I woke up one day, I was like, man, my life is shitty. I need to do something different. I need to do something like to better myself. I was 20, um, turning 21. So I was like, mm, let me go talk to an Air Force recruiter. So we all know the story. You go to the recruiting station, they got Hello. the Army. Air Force, Marines, they got the Navy, Army, Marines, always there. The Navy guy might be like, I don't know, I was smoking or something. <laughs> Air Force office, Over always close. empty. Yeah, They're never there. So I went there to talk to the Air Force. They weren't there. And the Navy guy was outside smoking. And uh, so uh, he, I passed him up going through the door. He didn't say anything. Walked in there and looked at the Air Force office. They were closed. They had office hours. So I left. And as I'm walking out, he's like, hey, you looking for somebody? You know, typical recruiter stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I was actually looking for the Air Force, blah, blah, blah. So from that point, he sold me. He talked to me for about 20 minutes outside while he was smoking a cigarette and asking me all the right questions and pretty much probing me and blueprinting me, finding out my background. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, just come on in. Let's uh, talk a little bit more. Uh, so I went in his office. We talked. So we spent like three hours legitimately talking about what he did in the Navy, like all the places he's been, showed me pictures. Like he sold the shit yeah, out of me. Salesman. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, was, it was a wrap. So <clears throat> he was like, yeah, man, this is what the Navy's about. And then on top of that, he had – at the time, a 2001 Ford Excursion with, like, 26-inch rims, like, sound system, paint job. I was like, damn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's, he's, he made it. Like, yeah. oh, shit, like, he he's yeah. doing his thing. So um, 
after we got done talking, he was like, yeah, so what do you think? I was like, man, where do I need to, where do I sign pretty much? He was like, so you need to take a test. You got to go to MEPS. I didn't know what any of that meant. Um, we can schedule your test tomorrow if you want. And the test will pretty much tell you if you qualify to get a job in the Navy. I'm like, damn, I ain't been to school in a minute. I need to brush up on my math and stuff. He's like, oh, you're good. Um, so he gave me a practice test. I did well on the practice test. He was like, yeah, so we'll schedule for the test tomorrow. Cool. Took the test the next day. And um, he was like, yeah, so when are you ready to process? So two weeks later, I processed, and I picked my job. And uh, I was in debt. So um, kind of stepping back a little bit. Uh, yeah, I know I was talking a lot. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, my um, <laughs> kind of, kind of a, a, a joking question, but what was like the craziest photo you ever seen? Printed, yeah. From him? No, like when at your job at Walmart. Oh, <laughs> like you see anything like crazy? Oh, as a photo lab technician, I've probably yeah. seen. Man, <laughs> that was so long ago, but nothing sticks out. Um, no, like crazy I would say bachelor party. Nah, it wasn't because you know we had a policy on nudity and stuff like that. Uh so I can't recall anything that crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what year was it when? What year are we at? Like when you went to the recruiter? This was in two thousand three. Okay, is when I went to the recruiter. Two thousand three. Yep, springtime. Were you like um uh? nervous at all because kind of that's when everything kind of popped off you know with with the wars and all that was that kind of in your mind at all or no it wasn't because i mean you know the war i mean we were over in iraq at that point you know everything happened Mm 9-11 um so it was a few years after that and once he was talking to me about what the navy did i was like oh okay we're not really like boots on ground so okay you know i'll be cool so i didn't really that wasn't really a concern that much to me at that point. Yeah. So did you come in as a QM? So the, uh... I did. So there's another story about that, right? <laughs> so I'm a junior, and I'm African-American from the inner city. So I know that doesn't mean much right now, but <laughs> I'm getting to my story. What do you mean by like, by like a junior in high school? No, or, I'm a junior. Like I'm oh, named so after my, I'm named after my dad. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Gotcha. No, no, no. You're good. So I joined as a QM, and obviously a QM, you, it was required. You know, even at that point, that you had to have a security clearance, all that stuff because of charts and all that. Right. So everything was cool, mind you. I was 20, never had a car. Really, I mean, never had a car note, never financed anything, never really established credit or nothing like that. So everything was good. And then I got to boot camp and it was like, hey, come here and talk to somebody. Something popped up. So I'm like, man, what did I do? (laughs) I'm starting to think, like, what did I do that they're calling me, telling me something popped up? So come to find out, I had a repossession. I had a bankruptcy. And I had like a fur coat that was in default in my name. That was in like 1997. So I'm looking at it like 1997. You realize I was 14 years old. <laughs> By mix. So there's no way I had <laughs> a mink. There's no way I had a fucking repossession. There's no way I went bankrupt. And they were like, 
so are you you're named after your dad you think he would do this and i was like quite possible so there you go so the rest is history did that hold you up at so all that, or that did help that did hold me up because they had to pretty much um like my uh sf86 my mm-hmm. j pass and all of that stuff was on hold because it popped up that i had all those things so they couldn't grant me a clearance right so like yeah so you're good we're just gonna like um send you to uh semen atd which is deck like oh, pretty no. much yeah which was at the time they called it semen atd so they sent me i graduated boot camp and i went across the street to semen atd not quartermaster a school and they told me basically when your clearance gets uh cleared you'll be able to come back to a school and be good it didn't clear until i got to my ship oh wow yeah so i was in deck all along and ironically what happened i had to strike qm after i was already ready to qm but something happened i don't know somebody dropped the ball i had to strike qm and then once i struck after that that was it i've been a qm ever since so that was really like six months after um I got on my first ship. I was in deck. So for um for our, our non military listeners, <clears throat> can you kinda give us a brief description uh of what a QM actually is? What do you, what do you do? Yeah, so quartermaster, we're responsible for the safe navigation of any vessel. So safe navigation pretty much saying, Hey, I wanna go from Pasagula to Key West, Florida. It's my responsibility to pretty much navigate us from here to there, not run over anything, um, and keep the ship out of shallow water. That's what sums it up. It's definitely, I mean, it's kind of a simple explanation, but I know there's there's a lot yeah, more that goes more, into it. There's it, <laughs> more to it, but, I mean, it's that's the, the layman's. That's the gist. Way, yeah, that's the layman's way of describing it. Awesome. So were you uh were you worried at any point when they sent you to the semen ATD? I was kind of I was pissed because when I got there it was like all the delinquents. No offense to anybody in deck. Deck is not a <laughs> deck is not a bad thing, but it made me feel like I was less of a less of something. Just back then, how they made you feel it was like, oh yeah, you're gonna be like line handling. You're gonna be chipping paint painting and swabbing the decks the ground for all the civilian the the (laughs) floor for the civilian people i was like man this is not what my description for quartermaster was this is not what i signed up to be so i was a little butthurt at first but you know when i was in deck i did my thing and uh i didn't have any issues um because i had to make the best of it the best way possible so you know it worked out it worked out actually pretty well think I learned a lot so that's why I say deck is not bad right right that's good yeah so I'm glad you made it out of there (laughs) (laughs) right coming from an FCA (laughs) (laughs) hey I'm glad you made it out of there (laughs) scored a 99 on my ass back (laughs) you you hear people they get stuck there for their their full enlistment so yeah uh, for the listeners out there that's what's up though yeah so so where are we at now? So QM SN at the time? QM SN QM SN at the time. 
headed to your first ship. I'll let you take it from there if you want with um, with your career after that. So I want to back up a little bit, and this is not a brag. This is a little humble brag, as people say. <laughs> but in boot camp, I got meritoriously advanced from E2 to E3 because I was the honor recruit. I know my guys here that's on uh, that's hosting the podcast, they know what that is. Mm-hmm. So I had the luxury, even though I was in deck, and I sh- once I got there, I was in deck for six months, and I sh- struck back to QM. I was able to take the exam fairly quick. So I took the exam for third class, uh, which is E4, and I made E4 first time up. So I was a QM3 after like nine months on board or something Damn. like that. So it was pretty – it's pretty fast, but now nowadays, back then it was fast, but nowadays that seems pretty common. I mean, people show up to ships now as E4s. Right. Um, so I made E4, first time up. I was on a cruiser, um, guided missile, uh, Cape St. George in Norfolk. And, uh, yeah, I was doing my thing. And then two years later, I made second class. So at this point, I've been in the Navy three years. I made second class. And then my four-year mark came. I transferred from the cruiser to an amphib. I crossed deck because my cruiser at the time was going from Norfolk to San Diego. And I didn't want to go to San Diego because at the time I had my son. You know, my son was about to be born. I was like, "Uh, I don't want to really go to San Diego. So they let me cross deck. I swapped with another QM that was equally qualified, and I was able to stay in Norfolk, and he went to – he went with the cruiser to San Diego. Yep. And um, second class, I did my thing, and then I went to my first shore duty, and I'll let y'all interject at that point. (laughs) So what was – what was kind of your mindset on your first ship? Were you uh, the typical, you know, foreign done, or since you're having, you know, your son, you you kind of, you know, wanted to stay in a little longer, or did you know you were a lifer, or what was kind of the mindset at the time? So, like most people, I was definitely foreign done. <laughs> I was like, f the navy, this is some BS. Why do I have to stand duty? Why do I got to do this? Why do I got to do that? Like, all of that, that was me. Um, I did what I had to do, but I was still, like, F the Navy. Like, this is, yeah, I'm ready to go. But once I got responsibilities and I felt a sense of entitlement, I felt like my con- contributions was important. It's like, oh, it's not so bad. It's just really a job. Right. You know, I got a boss just like I would have in the civilian world. So it's, like, really no different. Just a little little bit more structure. Um so I re-enlisted, like most people do. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting out in four years, and then you fucking re-enlist. So, uh, <laughs> did you do any deployments on that first ship? Yes, or? I did two deployments. Yep. So I went to Fifth Fleet both times. So I was. it was a Mediterranean cruise. We went to all of Europe, just like most East Coast ships. Um. I did two tour, two deployments in two and a half year time frame, so it was pretty fast paced. Yeah, so yeah, that's a lot. Was the op tempo like pretty, 
a lot faster back then because of the the war and all that mm. or going over well there. i will say yes yes it was because you know in between that those deployments we still went underway right we still had underway schedules we still had you know inspections we have had to do checks in the box we had to get so it was like we got back from deployment had stand down where everybody got ch- time to wind down then we had a maintenance phase and then right after that we got to get back underway to get called again and then oh after we get called we're going to deployment again right so it was yeah it was pretty fast um yeah so that was that um and i did a deployment on the amphib when i transferred too so that's three deployments my first enlistment what kind of amphib were you on it was a LHA, LHA four, USS Nassau. They are now decommissioned. She decommed in two thousand ten, I think two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Is that you? Saw the Marines on that one too? Yeah, yeah, yep, we had Marines. Yep, had Marines on board. Is that the? That's the one with like the the big flight deck on the back, right? Yeah, that's not like the mini carrier one. That's no, they had the yeah, we had a big. It's just like the uh, Tripoli. Oh, okay. So yep. it's like the mini aircraft yeah, carrier. Mini, must. Yeah, okay. Mini. It's just like the Tripoli. Gotcha. Yep. Awesome. So without trying to jump ahead too far, uh, <laughs> so when does the music come in, into play in your life? How'd you guys know I made music? <laughs> How'd you guys know that? Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> <laughs> we we might have heard yeah. from word of mouth that you might be into music. These yeah. studio headphones you let me borrow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the yeah. studio headphones. So the headphones that... uh. Uh, Petty Officer Minton to my left and your right if you're looking. These are my headphones that he's using, but yeah, it's all good. <laughs> no, anyway. <laughs> How many bangers have yeah, these things made? It's all good. <laughs> but um, so music came about in 2006. Um, this was me just messing around. Like, I've always been a lover of music. I played the drums in elementary middle school and the trumpet and stuff like that um played the drums in church but i never like i never took any like formal lessons with anything it was just like pick up learn as you go type of thing so kind of the same thing that started with making music and making music meaning producing um what most people out there consider making beats mm-hmm. um so yeah i had a laptop um somebody else on the ship had fl studio that now that's what it's called but it used to be called fruity loops Mm -hmm. um so he gave it to me it was a cracked version so if you guys out there watching don't (laughs) like pirating i'm sorry (laughs) but um it was a cracked version so he gave it to me and uh shit i just started messing around with it putting sounds together and they sucked but i was determined (laughs) to make them sound good as possible and uh, it you, just continued from Were there. you just doing, the, like, the draw mode, or yeah. did you have a MIDI? Yeah, I had. I was doing draw mode at first. I didn't have a MIDI controller. I just had a laptop with the keys, and that was it for, like, two years. I didn't even know that I could get, like, expand by buying a MIDI mm-hmm. until later. Yep, so. Was, was you said 2006, right? So YouTube wasn't even really that no, big. No, YouTube like, watch, wasn't. Like, it uh, was MySpace. Yeah. The my, I mean, y'all probably don't even remember MySpace. No, I, I do. Yeah, we had a yeah, MySpace. MySpace. I had a MySpace. I had a top eight. Was, yeah, my, <laughs> exactly. Top eight. MySpace was the thing back then. Like, yeah. Yep. But I mean, as far as like looking up like tutorials and stuff, I mean, like, you know, nope. it was just all kind of self. It was just all kind of like That's self, cool. 
self teach um everything unless you knew somebody that know how to u- knew how to use it right to help you out yeah to help you out but everything was like i was self taught what's your uh, just cuz you know i kind of have a, a music background myself yeah. what what what's like your favorite <clears throat> your favorite thing about music um my favorite thing about music i think is putting sounds together and like I, I consider music to be like seeing it's it's weird because like I hear stuff but I can see it. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds weird to some people, but if something sounds good, I can see it. And that's the beauty of it for me. Um and then obviously adding vocals uh, uh good vocals to it or somebody rapping. Mm-hmm singing whatever the case may be just expands it even more it must be pretty gratifying i mean i I never you know i never produced i just did the djing thing yeah but i think it's pretty cool like um like i like building furniture so i'm sure it's kind of the same thing where you just start with a bunch of small pieces Mm -hmm. and just kind of build it and then at the end and the reward is the ending product yep that's the same thing like if i can sit down with a if i can hear a a, a sound of a I don't know a fork tapping on a ping pong table, mm-hmm. and I put some reverb on it and add a kick and some low end and the snare and it's like it's like man I came up with a creation from a fork, <laughs> fork on a ping pong table you know at the end it sounds good it's mm-hmm. like yeah so that's the reward. Do you still use free loops to this day or have you so moved I on do. to like Ableton or? Well, I guess that, is that really for producing Ableton? Ableton is, is right? yeah, yeah. Ableton has stepped their game up. Um, but yeah, so I have FL Studio, and I actually purchased the real version from Guitar Center, the newest one last year, and I've probably used it twice because I'm very loyal to Reason, mm-hmm. and it's um, so FL Studio is made by Image Line, I believe. Image Line, Reason is made by Propellerhead, it's a mm-hmm. company. And I've been with them pretty much since 2008. So I had Fruity Loops. I tried that for two years, and then I crossed over to Reason. And I haven't left Reason since 1.0. I still have to. Uh, I, to- I remember I told you like months ago yeah. I was going to give you that the Vengeance pack that I yeah, have. Yeah, you need to give it to yeah. me. Yeah, I'm going home this weekend, so I'll bring back my yeah, hard drive. I'll make some use of that. Sure. <laughs> I know it has like a bunch of 808s and stuff. You said, you on it. It's like you a huge pack. A-Rab, A-Rab music songs. Yeah, yeah. it's it's the pack. I, I know he used that pack back in yeah, the day. Yeah, I'll definitely take that. I gotta, I gotta find that hard drive. Snatchies. <laughs> I mean, I got it pirated, but I know like back in the day, it was, it was like a six hundred dollar pack. It Will was, it work on a Mac? Yeah, that's what. That's what. Oh it, yeah, yeah, we we good. We good. You lost over there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just hey, soaking it all in, up right he's now. In, he's in here quiet, like yeah, I don't know, I don't know what they're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I like Fruity Loops and Cheerios like Apex, too. Fruity Loops. Oh, right. man, Lucky Charms, that's my story. Right. <laughs> Some Frosted Flakes. No, I have no musical talent at all, but I, do, I bet you I, do though. I do like people that you know are passionate about music and have that talent. So I never grew up playing music or an instrument or anything like that. Yeah. So mm. I just felt you know. That's one you thing. You listen to music, had. though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. so I'm, I think music is for everybody, man. I agree. Music is like one of those things that will never die. Music can put you in all types of different moods. Well, they call it the universal language, That's right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter what. It's just like if it's good, you somebody's going to like it. What, what I liked about, like, you know, I, I DJed, so 
I like to create the creativity part about it, which is kind of being lost nowadays, which is a lot of the reason like I stopped doing it. Yeah. Because um, now it's just. But now it's really just producers going in front of a crowd playing their, playing their music yeah, opposed it. to yeah, a playlist. Yeah. Opposed yeah. to people actually, you know, DJing scratching and DJing and mixing. And, right. Yeah. Um, but the, the coolest part about my favorite part of it was reading crowds and like, no, like, I mean like the club thing was awesome. And, and I mean, I enjoyed that just cause I was in my young twenties, yeah. but I, I honestly, I really, my favorite thing was when like I would get hired for like private events, just knowing that like I was making like, that person's wedding is like already the most special day of their life, right. but know that like I'm part of it, like yeah, having, forever, forever, and yeah. then like being you know, like I'm the one getting like their family out of the chairs on the dance yeah. floor and like kind of you know, so yeah, that, that's legit. I never, I wish I would have got into DJing, like, like you said, man. That's uh, DJing is legit. I just I haven't even like spent time trying to learn how to DJ like the real way. Anybody can play a playlist. Right. Yeah. Especially Pandora. Mm -hmm. They just plug their phone. That's it. Yeah. And type in the top 100 or something like that and just let it play, which it works. Right. But the art of it is not the same. It's not. Right. Like there's very few, um, I'll I'll try not to go on a rant, but, uh, like the, the main reason I stopped DJing was because it started, like when I first started, a lot of the club owners in my area still appreciated good DJing and like they still used the DJ's name to, to bring crowds. Yeah. But then as kind of like the 2010, 2011 when like EDM got like really big, mm-hmm. DJing just became a fad. Yeah. Everyone changed their Facebook name to DJ blah, blah, you know what right. I mean? So what a lot started happening just on the business side of things, these smaller clubs and sports bars, you know, they would have, some kid coming with their MacBook, but like, hey, I'll DJ for fifty bucks on a table for me, and my friends, and on the business side, I understand it. Like, right. oh yeah, of course, you know what I mean. But like, true DJs, you know, like myself and and a ton of other people, mm-hmm. were just starting to get undercut, and yeah. it just it killed the craft. And it I mean, we were at the club the other night, and like it. It made it to the point where like I couldn't even enjoy myself out. What because club? What club did you guys go to? The one at the, <laughs> the one in the Hard Rock. Uh, the Hard Rock. Oh yeah. yeah. That, but uh, <laughs> right. That's a big club, man. But like it was just aggravating because like it's the quality of I don't know. I mean it could just you know. Yeah. I'm just going on that a was ramp. A funny but night actually. He was just yelling at the DJ all night. Was he, he was just, were you really? Yeah, he was fucking terrible. Were you yelling at him? Yeah. <laughs> Did he like pay attention to you? No, I was like yelling. I was like, we were like sitting at a table and oh, I was just yeah. yelling. I tried to go up, but they had like a big ass, like the DJ was yeah, up on the was, stage yep. and then they had like a big like like fence in front of the stage. Yeah, he so didn't he, hear nothing you were saying. No, but I was I was pretty pissed off. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> he had his playlist going. He, he didn't hear you. Yeah. He was just like, the mixes were terrible. <laughs> like all the, it was just off beat, off yeah. tempo. It was terrible. Anyway, back to you, Chief. Well, that should be that should be motivation for you, man, to like start it back up. I was thinking about it and get a gig at the, and get a gig at the Hard Rock and like put him out of business. I, w- I was thinking we were talking about like doing um because b- up in Jersey during the summers, they would do like uh like a bunch of beach bars would like throw parties on the beach or they yeah. would do the Sunday brunches where it'd be like an actual party like during the afternoon on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And he said like not many places in Jacks do that, so I was thinking really? about maybe yeah. Yeah, you can get into it, man. We got you got plenty of time, bro. You're young. Might as well. Yeah. Why not? Yep. Just be another hobby too. Yep. You know, open you up for exactly. Like you said parties. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, business. Holiday possibly. party. Yeah. You could be at 
people at the command and be like, hey, I know you DJ. Yeah. Can you DJ my so-and-so? Yep. $175 an hour. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what else y'all want to like? What <laughs> else y'all? We, what we else went, y'all want to know about me? We went on man. a huge tangent there. <laughs> um, what do you? Uh, well, what was your first short duty? We didn't even get there. First short duty was recruiting. Ah. Yep. The same way I got got, I started. <laughs> I started. <laughs> I started getting people. Um. Yeah. So I went recruiting in <clears throat> Houston, Texas. I know that's weird. I told y'all I was from Detroit. But um, I don't know. I just chose Houston for some reason. So you like to travel? I do. Because yeah. you moved from Detroit <laughs> to Louisiana. For college, yep. I wanted to ask you, was Louisiana your first choice? There? It was really my That's only choice. Move. It was really my only choice, and the reason why I chose that was because my dad's best friend went to the college I went to, mm -hmm. and he recommended it to me. Oh, okay. And I applied there, and they accepted me in like two weeks, and I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going. And I didn't apply anywhere else. So. That's how that worked out. But I do love traveling. So I went to shore duty in Houston, recruiting duty three years, did my time as a second class um, at my four-year mark. And I got promoted meritoriously to first class at six years. Damn. Um, it was like six and a half. And it was almost uh, on my way out. I had a year almost a year or something like that before I left. So it was rewarding. Went there as a second, left as a first in six and six years and some change. So how'd you feel about recruiting? I know it's either like a it's one of those things where people either love it or hate it. There's no yeah, like, so it was all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm one of those guys that loved it. Obviously because I got promoted. Yeah, it's but, true I guess. <laughs> um I honestly felt like those three years I wasn't in the Navy. Mm -hmm. because I was in Houston and it wasn't really, it's not really a military town. You know, yeah, it's not really a military town. So it's like um, not seeing military or not being a military town. When they saw me in my uniform, civilians, right. I got a lot of perks. I got invited to the Rockets games. I got mm -hmm. Astros tickets, Texans tickets for oh, free. That's awesome. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was rewarding and the weather was, was great. So... Yeah, I had no complaints about recruiting. I think people that go recruiting and they hate it, they're either in a horrible area mm -hmm. where they can't recruit anybody or they just suck at it. Because it's all, like, number, right? It's all based it's off all numbers. It's all based off numbers. Yeah. So if you can't talk to people like we're talking right now, you're going to mm -hmm. suck at recruiting. A lot of people think, oh, I need to sell, sell, sell. But most of it is just having a regular conversation with somebody. Just being personable. Like one. that guy got me. Yeah. He had a regular conversation with me. I was like, oh, he's a person, not a robot. Right. So, um, yeah, that was that was pretty much it for me. That was good, a good tour. Did you know you were going to be a lifer at that point? So, at that point, I was at six. I still didn't know I was going to be a lifer. That's crazy. <laughs> I still didn't. That's I awesome. still didn't know I was going to be a lifer, man, because I was like, man, I got this two-year-old. Like, I'm about to have to go to a ship and be on deployment again. Like Away from the family. Away from the family and all of this stuff. Do I really want to do that? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Let's try it out. So I tried it out. And I left there and went to an aircraft carrier. And 3,000-plus people. Man. Um, 
It's like a big city. Good or bad? <sighs> it's like it's carriers, like uh, you ever been to a carrier? No, I, I never want to go. Yeah, man, it's to be I'm indifferent about a carrier. I think it was good for me, and we'll get to the reason why. But for junior people, dangerous. It's dangerous. You just get like lost, and it's assault. bad because you don't have. It's so many of you. Yeah. You don't have room to like, like shine. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, as an FCA, I don't even know. Do y'all go to carriers? No, we can't. Go yeah, to y'all don't carrier. go to carriers. Yeah, but we're stuck on the so a fire controlman, just a FC. Right. Uh, are they even on carriers? Yeah, they'll be. FC, on there. Yeah, yeah, FCs. So they go on a carrier as an E three or E four. Mm-hmm. It's totally different from an E three or E four on a DDG. As far as what you can do, like even as a first class, like on, so on the carrier, the only person allowed to be a work center supervisor is a first class. Oh wow! On a DDG, if you know your stuff, if you know your shit, you can be a work center super as a third class. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. you're learning, you're learning the process of 3M and all that stuff. You're learning about all of that as a third class. Whereas on a carrier, man, you're just kind of like. A watchstander. That's yeah. it. Right. So I can see that. Yeah. It, I'm indifferent about it. It was good for me, but a junior person, uh, I would say no. I mean, it must be cool. like taking the uh, like that part out of it. I, I think it'd just be pretty cool just to serve on a carrier. Cause how fucking big it is, and <laughs> it depends on how you look at it, man. It's a lot of it's top heavy. Mm. You're talking about thirty master chiefs. Yeah, that's true. I'm talking own, about ten captains. Yeah, my brother was on a Truman, and I remember flipping through his like deployment book, and yeah. it was just like, like you said, it was just like so many goddamn yeah. full birds, yeah. and I was like, what? <laughs> Almost three hundred chiefs. Yeah, maybe like fifty senior chiefs. It's crazy. I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. I feel like there's a lot of personalities on the carrier too, so you don't really, as a young person, you may not be shaped as quick. Into right. like the, the military mindset, or even mm-hmm. becoming a leader, like you yeah. said. Whereas a small boy, you come in, you learn real quick yep. what the mission is. Exactly. And if you're messing around, jacking around, yep. you get put in line a little faster. Quick. And then on the carrier, you can skate through. You mm-hmm. Skate through. Disappear. Yeah. Nobody see you. And that's why I wouldn't want to go. Yeah, I don't. At this point, if I had any way to prevent junior people of going to a carry out of boot camp, I would do it. It's not really. I don't think it really benefits junior people. Because I'm on the small boy. Because it's. I'm sure it's similar to subs. Eventually, you're going to be the senior person. Yeah. Like no matter. Like you know, yep. just because the way that like. So eventually, you're going to have to be that subject matter expert. Exactly. You know, and, and kind of get forced into that spot, mm-hmm. like you're kind of talking about. Yeah. It's really. It's not up to you. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's, it's going to happen. Yep. For sure. So on a carrier, so. Uh, did the music follow you to the, the music did follow me, man. I never stopped. I never, like, once I picked it up and, like, I started getting a little bit better with it, I just kept going. And I know some people might be like, man, how did you continue to do it and all of that stuff, being in the Navy, being on ships and going to shore duty and moving around? I was just determined to, like, continue what I loved. Like, I made time for it. Like, there was would be times, even now, like, I would get maybe three hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Three four hours of sleep, I just make I put the time in just because that's what I love to do. So on the carrier, I had my own office as a first class. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's crazy. As a first <laughs> class, I had, as a first class LPO of navigation department, I had my own office. How big and is the department on, on the carrier? For navigation? Yeah. yeah. So I had, when I checked on board, I had 28 QMs. Oh, shit. Yep. It was, it was me as the QM1, and I had um, two QM2s, and the rest were E4 and junior, 28 total. And I had a senior chief. Oh, shit. So it was a lot of people. But he had his – my senior chief had his own office. I had my own office. So in my office – and I want to say my office is, like, maybe the same length of this, but a third, like, right in the middle of this oh, wall. Oh, wow. But, I mean, we had equipment and stuff in there. But, like, the back half of the office, I had my computer, my work computer, and I had my five-inch Yamaha speakers. I had my laptop, I had my headphones, I had my MIDI keyboard, my audio <laughs> interface. That's so cool. <laughs> on the 05 level on the carrier. Damn. You had to set up. Yeah, nobody heard it. I'm uh, sorry, was it you ever get noise complaints? <laughs> never. I, nobody never complained about noise, and I had that shit blasting every day. <laughs> Is that the 1MC? <laughs> so did you find a lot of creativity out at sea? Um, In a weird way? Is that? Yeah, no, no, that's that's true. I don't, I don't. Because you I got don't. a lot of time to think. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I found more creativity like after we pulled in a port and then I got back underway. Okay. Because you pull in somewhere you you get a different experience or something. I mm -hmm. might hear something like going to Thailand, it's like the music there is different. So then you get underway, it's like, "Oh shit, I want to make something that's like, you know, Asian inspired or something like that." And then, you know, so Inspiration really didn't come that much from being underway. I just I w made music every day though. So the, you were on a West Coast carrier. Yeah. So we started off in Everett. Okay. Washington, when I checked right? on board, we were in Everett, Washington. And the reason why I, ch I chose, and by the way, it was the Abraham Lincoln. Um, the reason why I chose it was because it was away from Norfolk. Both of my other ships were in Norfolk, and I was like, I'm not going back to Norfolk. Checked on board. They're like, hey, guess what, QM1? We're doing a round-the-world tour. Change of home port? And we're doing a change of home <laughs> port to Norfolk. Oh, my God. We have to do a refueling overhaul. And I'm like, all right, thanks. <laughs> so I ended up back in Norfolk, long story short. God damn. But we went around. <laughs> we went all the way around from Everett. Um, went through the Med. Um, spent some time in Fifth Fleet. Got a chance to go to Turkey, Thailand. Obviously, the Bahrain and Dubai, and all the common oh, nice. Mediterranean. So you came ports. around through like Europe. You yeah. didn't like go like down through Panama. We went around. Oh wow, Europe. Yep. that's cool. Yeah, so it was a uh, different huh. Suez Canal, all of that. So you literally sailed around the world. Yep, yeah. around the world, around that's the world, impressive. around the world cruise, man, and ended up in freaking Norfolk, Virginia. No offense to anybody that's from there that's listening. Uh, I love Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that was the carrier life. So, uh, yeah. So you, you've pretty much served on like every every platform: small boy, amphib, carrier. Yeah, cruiser, amphib, carrier, and now DDG. Only thing I haven't done is a uh, frigate, but they're no longer so. And obviously, a submarine. Yeah, never want to do that. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's when you had a button like. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say was your your um, what would you say as far as your sea tours go? Kind of give you two options here. What was your favorite platform to serve on, 
And then what was your most rewarding tour? Favorite platform by far has to be CG71, Cape St. George, Cruiser, all male. Captain was single, XO was single, CMC was single, Max Liberty for everybody. 12 ports, first deployment. Wow. Six months. On a six-month deployment. Yes. I I was nine and a half, and we hit 10. I was broke as hell. (laughs) Yeah. That's like two ports a month, right? Yeah. I didn't have any money. Holy shit. I was an EE4, broke. But it was fun, though. Most rewarding would probably be the carrier because I checked on board as a QM1, and when I checked on board, obviously – the eval cycle, I checked on board September, the end of September. So my very first eval was a non-observed. So I had a whole year to perform, and I was a departmental LPO. My very first eval was an EP. I was ranked like 24 out of 48. And so that next January, I took the exam for chief. I made board, took it early, and then I made chief. I'm up. First time up. So I only got one first class eval. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that was the most rewarding. And I made chief at nine years. And I've been a chief ever since. And can't, you're... Figure, can't figure out the next the next pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> can't figure that out. <laughs> how, how long have you been now? Uh, I've been in 15. So I've okay. been a chief for six years. Yep. So what did you do? Because you did something in between the carrier and, and here, right? Yeah. So in between... Uh, I left the carrier and went to, uh, where did I go? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I left, yeah, so I left uh, the Lincoln and went to Great Lakes to be an instructor. So I went on instructor duty in Great Lakes and did that for three years. That was my second shore duty. Okay. Yep. So that, was a good, that was a cool tour. I mean, it was legitimately a shore duty, like no duty, no CDO. But it was cold as hell in Great Lakes, so that's the trade-off. Did you do a lot of instructing as a chief, or were you just kind of like the in charge of the instructors? Oh no, I was teaching. You were teaching? Yeah, I had to teach. I taught. I taught all the time. That was that was it. I just taught. I didn't have any junior people to manage or anything. Um, shit, I just did my thing and went home. Had a lot of time. A lot of time to do music on hmm. on this last short duty. How about you when you were in? In your pipeline, did you ever have chiefs instruct you? Uh, let's see. In boot camp, we did. So the little classes that we went to in between uh, the weeks in boot camp, we did. Yeah. But then everybody else was first class. I'm say same yeah. Both yeah, chiefs are normally horrible instructors. <laughs> Is that that's what that's what he was trying to get at, guys? No, no, I'm <laughs> so I, yeah, no, no, I was no, saying I'm that. Joking, I'm joking. Yeah, that, why would they do that? I always yeah. thought chief. <laughs> I always thought it was weird that they like. More chiefs didn't teach because you know they're obviously more more experienced and stuff like that. I mean, obviously there's a curriculum that they everyone has to follow, so it's not yeah. really it's not really like an experience based thing. But I, I don't know. Yeah. But I've always had like second classes and first classes in, in both my pipelines. I, but I always thought it was weird. Actually, where I was at in Great Lakes, it was um, I had a master chief, um, two civilians, and everybody was everybody else were chiefs that instructed except for one first class. You had civilian instructors? Yep. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did too. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Prior prior Navy, though. Right. Prior Navy Navy chief. So, I mean, they knew they knew the Navy inside and out. Huh. That's yep. pretty cool. Yep. 
And now I'm here <laughs> on the Paul Ignatius. Paul Ignatius. Yep. Who yeah. So what um what what do you do you have any thoughts on what you want to do after this? I mean I know you're just kinda getting started here, but Yeah, I wanna <laughs> retire. Um but you have like what you'd probably five have one, years. one more tour left right after this or Yeah, so yeah. I'll do my this C tour and then I'll go shore duty for like, you know, three years. They'll probably make me able to serve. So I'll probably end up having to do 21 just because of the time. Um, and then after that, um, the plan is to chunk the deuce. I did my time. Thank you. I love you, but I got to go. <laughs> um, so that's the plan right now. Yeah. But I said that shit 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. We play this back. Yeah, I know, right? So <laughs> You think uh, like if you ever got the star, would that change anything? I say now, no, to be honest with you. I say now that it won't change my plans, but like Never I said, know. like I just, like, yeah. shit, I said I was getting out in four years and I made second class, and I was like, ah. <laughs> so who knows? Um, I'm preparing myself to be done financially. I'm preparing myself to be done in five years. Mentally, I'm preparing myself. And uh, physically, it's just kind of like whatever with that, but, you know. I'm not fat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, I don't get fat. But uh, yeah, I'm preparing myself all the way around to be done in five years, so that time doesn't come. And I'm like, oh, I need to pay off this. I need to do that. I need to do this at that five year mark. And then I gotta stick around right. and just mm -hmm. collect a paycheck for that reason. And I don't wanna. I don't wanna do that to the Navy. Um, I care. I care. Yeah, I don't want to waste. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Mm -hmm. People that do that is kind of like, check. yeah. I mean, just treat yeah. like a nine to five, and then just yeah, kinda, that's whack. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's whack. Um, so, so we pretty much wrapped up the career, but uh, I'm really interested in the music, and uh, you know that's one reason we definitely wanted you on the podcast because yeah. you got a um, a different story and a special story that people that are listening may not know about members in the military yeah so um i'm gonna pass pass it over to you again with where you're at with the music now and what what do you do now uh with the music yeah i appreciate that um i don't really walk around work talking about it to people um it's one of those things i've never been like a boasty type of person and brag about stuff about what I do outside the Navy unless we have a conversation like HM2. Um, he's in my department and we just had a random conversation one day and he's like, yeah, you know, I got this business with the, you know, with the shirts and stuff. And he's, I think he asked me, what was this tattoo I have on my hand? Oh yeah. And that sparked the conversation. I kind of explained it to him, but so the music, I don't want to get too off answer your question, but the music to me is like really everything. Um, the Navy is everything too. Obviously the Navy has given me an opportunity to do what I want to do in music, mm -hmm. but, um, the music is like really a very huge focus for me. Um, so I've done, I have a lot of music that I've produced and published on iTunes. I work with a lot of independent artists from, um, around the world. 
if anybody's listening, I don't like to even name drop, but if you listen to Drake's music, there was a huge fiasco in 2015 about him having a ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all remember that ghostwriter's yep. name? Yeah, so I have a lot of music with that person that supposedly was a ghostwriter for Drake. Um, I'm not even going to name drop. You guys can, like, <laughs> look it, it up. Yeah. <laughs> I produce a lot of music for that person. Um, actually, my younger brother, who's 20, we have a project coming out Friday, self-plug. <laughs> we have a project coming out Friday that I produced. Okay. Um, where, can they, where can they find us? Yeah, so I'll put it's going to be on all streamers, Apple Music, okay. uh, Google Play, Amazon Music. Okay. You search it. Um, Easy Button Volume 2. His name is Easy Money. And uh, it's my younger brother. So um, I've traveled. I've been in studios with a lot of big name people. Um, I haven't made a whole lot of money um, off of it. And I think that's uh, partly because I'm not doing it full time. Right. If I had the opportunity to dedicate full time to just music, I think I could very well live off of it but because the requirements for it is i can sit in my room and in my house all day and make music but i have to be in places where people are that make music also mm-hmm. so that's been a little challenge but you got the internet now right. which makes it a little bit easier you can send an email you can talk to somebody on social media somebody can you know share your name to someone else and you know but at the end of the day if someone reaches out to me right now on my phone and be like hey we need you in new york tomorrow in the studio session with i don't know Nicki minaj what i'm gonna do i gotta go into work and be like hey can i put in a leave chip yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then it might not get approved because the ceo is gone right you know what i'm saying stuff like that so um it's been a challenge but i think i've made it work uh in my favor as much as possible have you seen um a big difference in um how because you said you started in what like 2006 mm-hmm. that's when i got fruity loop got yeah. into the yeah, yeah. have you seen um the that whole industry kind of i mean i'm sure it has with how the internet is and, and soundcloud and all yeah. that stuff like it's yeah man it was like uh like you said the top eight on myspace that was around the time, that was a thing around the time when I started. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had a pop in MySpace, right. like, Soulja Boy. Right. He was he blew, he, up, he blew up off of... He was, of, like, the first person He really. blew up off of the internet yep. in MySpace. He was, yeah. like, the, he was the staple guy. to what we see right now. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know a lot of people out there saw his recent rants. Right. We like, Drake, Drake. <laughs> like, y'all know. Y'all can watch on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. But Soulja Boy started that whole internet yep. phenomenon. I mean, on YouTube, too. He, exactly. He did a lot. YouTube, yeah. too. He went from MySpace to YouTube. To YouTube. Yep. And now that's... People don't Very even funny. people don't even necessarily listen to music on Apple or iTunes. They go to YouTube. Right. Yep. yep. And listen to it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, I think, to answer your question, um, has there been a change? I think there has been a change. And I think the segue for that change happened around 2006, 2007. Right. Because that went from you went from MySpace to where it was damn near if you look at MySpace as it was back then now, it looks like Nintendo. Right. To 
shit, what was after MySpace? Um, it was kind of Facebook. I mean, it was kind of it, it kind of Facebook. phased out for Facebook. Yeah, I'd but then Facebook I think camp. Facebook back then, though, you had to have a college email yeah, address. Yeah, you had to have like a yeah. official business email or something. Mm-hmm. And then you jumped into like Twitter and Instagram, and that just like right where you got direct contact with these people, like DJs, like, you know, mm-hmm. bodybuilders or workout people. You can directly contact them and be like, hey. Right. And if they look at it and they answer you and you got good product, you never know what can happen. And it's, like, amazing, like, what – um, I can't think of, of an exact example, but, like, what, like, one retweet from, like, someone famous yeah. retweets your, your one song or whatever yeah. and, like, how much – business that will drive yes. to you just off a of simple yep. you know simple retweet but how, how how about like the the money aspect of it um because right like back in the day it was all record sales and how much cds you sold stuff like that it's not like that but today i say now the internet yeah. is it's you know it, they're not buying your song on youtube no. it's so like how does that so the, a lot of people look at you know you look at these people on tv and you see the jewelry you see the cars all that shit is rented right or not really theirs, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But um, you can make money in music. Everything is stream and download driven. No, it's not like album, like raw album sales. At the end of the day, man, if you're not like the top tier artist like uh, Avril Lavigne or Taylor Swift or Beyonce, a Jay Z, a Drake, or Eminem mm-hmm. or Lil Wayne, if you're not those people. Mm-hmm. You're not making a whole lot of money just off of raw downloads and streams. Right. Because those guys are dropping music and they're averaging 300 million streams in a day. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of fucking streams in one day. So I heard a saying, it's like, it's not about, um, it's not about how to go. It's not about sales and tickets. It's about views and clicks or like something like that. That's a fact. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of these artists um, make money off of touring, which is why you see a lot of old people still touring. Still touring. Right. So that's the only way they can yeah, make money is ticket. Down, uh, 10 here. Yeah, all the, all the casino. Uh, yeah, still yeah. touring. And they, and they can still charge people. They can still charge a venue $40,000. To perform at their at their venue because the venue knows, all right, I'm gonna pay this old person forty thousand dollars because it's gonna pack my house out and the bar's gonna be bought out. Right, right, right. They're gonna make their money. Right. They're gonna make double that probably. So it's like, yeah, I'll pay Nelly forty thousand dollars, even though Nelly hasn't put out music in ten years. Right, playing the same songs. Same yeah. songs, and his fans from ten years ago are gonna buy those tickets. I used to be I used to be Nelly for Halloween when I was younger. You had the band-aid. <laughs> whack. Forces <laughs> on. Super whack. I had, no, I had my iris and four. Well, I had forces, but iris and fours were my my shoes. I love down iris and growing up. Yeah, so I hope I answered your question. We kind of like went on a whole different tangent a little that's bit. That's, that's, that's the, the whole point. That's the midwatch. Yeah, Random stuff, it is. man. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, you definitely did. Definitely answered it. Um. Got anything else for him? That was it. Um, I appreciate the insight, Chief. Yep. Appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. Appreciate y'all, man. Um, this is uh, great that y'all doing this. This is very good. Like, seriously, do something else outside of just the day-to-day Navy stuff, which is good. But, like, this is positive. 
Y'all not doing anything that's against any rules. You know what I'm saying? That's Yeah, I support this 100%. Tell me where to donate. I'm going to donate something for y'all, too. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. Hopefully that's not fraternization. I don't think it is. XO, if you're watching, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk later, but no. No, it's it's, it's good. (laughs) All right. Well, um, again, we appreciate your time, Chief. I know – I know we all had a long day at work today, so yeah. appreciate you taking some time out of your night to uh, come hang out with us and, and no share doubt. your story, and I do appreciate it. Um, and like I said, I'm just happy that one more story is documented. Yes, it's going to be out on the interwebs, and maybe one day your grandkids can listen to it or something. Yeah, you know, look at you, Dad. <laughs> look at you, Granddad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it means the world. Thank you very much for supporting us and supporting this podcast. Anytime. And again, listeners, um, Thank you for listening, and uh, until next time, no further entries. Oh.